0: Hello, thanks for tuning in. This is Mary Connolly, and you are listening to the Cause Coach podcast. Hi, um, and welcome uh, to my podcast. Uh, today we have uh, Jacqueline Riccio uh, with us, and I'm very excited um, to have uh, Jacqueline as my first guest because uh she was the person that introduced me to the world of podcasting and I just had such a great time on her show that I wanted to give her the honor to be my first guest so um so welcome Jacqueline thank you so
1: much I'm really excited for this I'm excited for you I'm excited for the podcast and you know for listeners to hear my story and your story as it continues to grow
0: cool cool well thank you so much for joining us um I thought this was also a really good time of year to have you on because it's January and I know your focus is around kind of nutrition and a healthy approach to dieting. Um, and, you know, January is the year everybody has lots of New Year's resolutions that are filled with, you know, weight loss goals and all of that. And I know you're, you're ready to make it happen for them and, and to do it a little maybe easier than some of the, cause you know, everybody winds up in, in January, they're all enthusiastic and they jump right into, you know, some diet that they think is gonna work for them. And then by February, they're falling off. The th- so, so talk to me a little bit about, about your approach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think what you said is so right that people, it's this all or nothing approach. And even like, even like backtracking, like before January, people were probably at the nothing part of the all or nothing, right? Like in December, even this year, even if you didn't see a ton of family, but you know, there's cookies and there's like parties and, you know, yeah, cookie trays, lots of candy. And so you're kind of like at that nothing part. And then in January, you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to buckle down. I'm really going to be serious about this and I'm going to go all in. And the hard thing is that you get like a lot of external praise for that. Like, oh, you're so disciplined, but we know that it's going to end up at nothing again. You're going to end up eating all of the crap. And so my approach is a lot, it really does focus on like moderation and learning how to do moderation. I don't think that like some people may have grown up just knowing how to eat healthy or be moderate with sweets or carbs or whatever. I think a lot of us, um, need deliberate practice and like some structure and to be taught that. So, um, this all came about because of my experience with all or nothing diets and, kind of, it, it kind of intertwines with my running story. And it was like, Mary, we have this in common that I started running um, around age 30, like right before my 30th birthday, I was like, I am going to start running. And I ran my first 5k a couple of months awesome. before my 30th birthday. And, um, I also started getting serious about nutrition and I did like, uh, I did 21 day fix and I did whole 30 and I was counting calories. And at one point I was vegan and then I was paleo and I was like all over the place. Um, and the, kind of the same relationship with running, I was running and then I would stop running and then I would go all in and it was just a mess. So through all of that mess, I like years later came up with like a really simplified way to eat where I'm not super, super restrictive with food. And also I'm not eating like garbage. And it's just this like happy place in the middle.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Because, you know, I mean, I don't think, well, you know, thankfully I have, um, I've never had a weight loss problem. I can't say I've always had a healthy relationship with food because every so often I do like, I'll sit down and eat an entire package of Oreos or something ridiculous like that. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I I have had a fairly healthy um, relationship with food. And I think some of that came from the fact that I had parents who owned a restaurant and a mom who was a pretty good cook and would always prepare meals. And, you know, I would just show up at the breakfast table and I had like a full meal. So like, so I got very used to not you know, for making the time to eat and not like, but when I started in the workforce and suddenly you didn't have as much time, you skipped lunch and found yourself at the, you know, the candy machine, you know, and so I just knew that I was eating poorly. Like I wasn't having a weight loss problem, but you, you want to eat you know, you want to try to eat a little bit better. So, you know, I, I, um, I've gone back and I, after I was a guest on your podcast in October, I went back and I listened to a lot of like your earlier podcasts and I'm still working my way through. I I've done the, the first 50 episodes and I just, I love your guests. So they all, you know, have just such a great, um, you know, healthy way of going about, um, nutrition and eating and, I can't remember if it was somebody on your podcast or somebody that I uh, something I had read otherwise, but like, you know, kind of approaching, um, you know, all of this, and you talk about running, and of course I'm a runner, so, um, but from the idea of an athlete, because you know athletes don't diet and exercise, you know they fuel and they train, and I think you know if we start to look more at dieting or just eating in general from a an idea of fueling <laughs> you know so what do you think about that oh
1: yeah i've never heard that before and i love that and i think that it's this hard thing because if you if you're someone that was sedentary or inactive that like that concept might be really hard for you, but like when you've done enough activity and you do start to see yourself as an athlete and whatever you're doing, if you're running and that is really important to you, you do want to fuel that that movement. And I think about now, I was just laughing like, like I think about how many, like the carbs that I eat now that I was afraid I was afraid to eat seven years ago. Like there were times that I would like I was afraid to eat it, sweet potato, sweet potatoes, <laughs> you know, or like quinoa or beans, like. I was afraid to eat those things because I was afraid of carbs. And now I'm like, oh, here's what my body feels like when I've actually eaten enough carbs and like the good carbs, you know, like slow, slow foods. This is how I feel and how, you know, I'm energized versus this is what it feels like to run on very few calories and very few carbs, completely different.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, when we start to, to put all our food into those three buckets of, you know, you know, protein, fat, and carbohydrates, and then we start to be too restrictive. And I I think we, we need to define what those good, you know, you, you need fat in your diet, you know? So there are good fats and there's bad fats. And the same thing with carbohydrates and, and protein, you know, um, you know, I, I tend to be, um, to lean vegan. I'm not, you know, a complete, um, you know, I started out moving a little bit towards vegetarian and then a little more towards vegan. And, um, there's two rules that I, I set up for myself. And one was that I'm not going to be a pain in the ass. Like if I'm out with friends, if I go to a restaurant, you know, I'm going to just find the healthiest thing on the menu I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be the person that orders a special meal at somebody's wedding, you know, I'm going to find something to eat. I'm going to be fine. You know, I'm not going to be that obsessive about it, but there have been times when I have been really obsessive and I totally understand, you know, what you're talking about when you, 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 you make yourself miserable, you know, be trying to be so restrictive. Right. And. The two times, one, when I trained for my first marathon and that's when, you know, I, I wasn't getting enough nutrition. You know, I, I lost like a ridiculous amount of weight to the point that I was actually almost 30 pounds lighter than I am now, if you can believe that. Like I just, like, it was just, the weight was just coming off me because it was the yeah. first time I had ever Exercise that much, you know, and I wasn't really thinking about it. And I was hungry, and I was eating everything in sight, you know, but I wasn't eating like the right kind of foods, the right carbohydrates, the you know, the right proteins to really fuel my workouts and and to balance my weight loss. You know, um, funny story with that. When I was training for my first marathon, I lost of you know a ton of weight, but so did my husband. And he didn't, he's like, I don't understand why I'm losing weight. And it was because I was so hungry that when I would dish out, like I'd cook the same amount of food, but when I dish it out, I was like giving him less and me more. <laughs> so he but but that's a that's a good you know example of portion control and how portion control can, you know, affect weight loss when you're not even trying, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it is interesting. Like I feel like in working with clients, like you'll see the people that will, um, they're running so much or, and they don't like, they're not fueling. Um, and sometimes, sometimes it does like, it results in, um, just being like underweight. And I've, I've, I've talked to so many people that it turned into like more complicated health problems. And then there's the other side of the running, but also like rewarding yourself for each yeah. run and going and getting the pizza. Nice. I mean, there's nothing wrong with emotional eating or having like a indulgent meal, but like that can turn into like thing like people gaining weight during marathon training, because you know, let's go get a pizza. Let's go get beer all the time after. So it's like, well, that, yeah,
0: yeah. That happened to me too. Um, but like in, you know, other marathon I've run 11 marathons now. So I've, I've had some where I've lost lots of weight and there'll be others where I have lost. I'm like, I can't believe I'm running like 40 miles a week and I haven't lost a pound, you know? And it's like, because I'm, you know, eating the package of Oreos when I get back from my run, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I had another experience. I was actually diagnosed with breast cancer in 2014, thankfully caught really early, had a lumpectomy and four weeks of radiation. And I'm knock on wood, um, cancer free now, almost uh, eight years later. Um, But I was so like, when you, when that happens, when you, when you get the diagnosis, and this was before I really knew exactly what my Mm -hmm. prognosis was going to be. And I got really scared. And the only thing that I could control was the stuff that I was putting in my body. So I had already been kind of what I called like a, a weekday vegetarian. So what I was during the week when I was just making my own meals and I didn't have to worry about my family as much, I never ate meat and I would only make meat on the weekends for them. And it was usually like chicken, you know, um, but I suddenly went crazy. Like I'm reading all these articles about this causes cancer and that causes cancer and everything. And all of a sudden, like. I couldn't eat, like I was paralyzed, like I wasn't eating anything. And that was the second time in my life that I dropped down to a ridiculously low weight. Um, And that's, you know, that was, you know, there was a couple of podcasts of yours that I had listened to. And, you know, there were a few things that were said that reminded me of that experience, that, Mm -hmm. you know, that's great that you're losing weight, but you're doing it all wrong. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I, it's like, it's, it can be very scary to Google what foods are healthy or what foods cause cancer because you can find evidence or research to support keto and you can find evidence to support vegan, which are exact opposites. Right. And so but like for those people, if you're on like a specific plan, yeah. Like there's your list of foods of what you're not allowed to eat and not for ethical reasons. Right. But like your list of foods, like it can grow so much. And there was a time, I think when I was doing paleo in whole 30, it was like, I was okay. I'm not allowed to eat cookies. Cause that's not paleo. And then, oh, I'm also not allowed to eat um, quinoa like that or rice, like things that are fairly healthy, but then food's I got to a point where I was afraid to eat foods because I was afraid of binging. Like these were foods that were triggering a binge. So I would be like, okay, cool. You're not allowed to have plantain chips anymore. You're not allowed to have dates anymore. You're not allowed to have any dried fruit because you keep binging on all of these things. So it turned into this just like really unhealthy relationship with food and all of the thoughts in my head. And again, like feeling paralyzed, what you said like that, like going to a restaurant and looking at the menu and being like, I don't even know what I'm allowed to eat. Like, so avoiding restaurants altogether, like that's not healthy. (laughs) Like that's not healthy at all. Um, but this, in this pursuit of like being super perfect with food, it turned out to being like a really unhealthy thing for me.
0: So talk to me a little bit about your, your approach. What's different. Okay. So I,
1: okay. So I call my approach imperfect eating and it comes from that place of, I was, Such such a perfectionist around food but also the the other end of being perfect like a perfectionist is like throwing in the towel and being like ah it's a mess anyway like I made a mistake I might as well throw in the towel and eat everything and so I allow myself to be imperfect like no it doesn't have to be perfect it is okay to be imperfect um I also I use like uh, my system, I guess, you know how you said like you had two roles. I think it is helpful to have a little bit of structure. If you don't have any structure and you're completely loosey goosey, it doesn't feel good. I mean, if we think about our time, like even our work days during the pandemic, maybe you didn't like the structure of a nine to five job, but like <laughs> not having any structure from the time you wake up till the time you go to bed doesn't feel good either. So that's kind of, it's like a, it's helpful structure, but it's not obsessive. And it's not, um, it's not impossible to follow. Um, I think about before I started dieting, I ate a lot of processed food. Similarly, like I was a teacher, I would not really bring food to school. I would skip lunch or I would just kind of eat what was served like leftover food. So it would be like a lot of cereal or cereal bars, or right? So these carbs, but not really like plant, like high quality carbs. So I was eating a lot of processed food. And then when I was like really into clean eating, I was only eating, you know, really clean foods, basically plants and protein and kind of narrowed it down. So I combined the two. I'm like, it's important to eat plants and protein. It's important whether um, it's animal-based protein or plant-based protein, that is important. And that should be the bulk of your meals. And also it's okay if some of this stuff is a little processed. So I'm going to give an example or so anyways, Imperfect eating in the five P's. So the five P's are plants, protein, a little bit of processed fun food, plenty of water. I always have a water bottle. And then the last one is plate it, put things on a plate and actually like sit down and eat, not always rushing in your car. So, um, and I know we have this in common too, of like simplifying things. So like our wardrobe is simplified, right? Like the way I eat is pretty simplified so that I don't have to think about food constantly. And I don't have to track it in an app and like mark down every single bite I eat or how many calories or how many macros are in it. And I don't measure food and I don't put it on a food scale, but I just kind of eyeball it. So every day for lunch, I have a giant salad. So like I had today I had um plants. So I like go through this like if I'm going to the fridge or I'm going grocery shopping I'm like ah uh, what plants do we need? So things like um I had baby kale, arugula, um and cabbage and carrots and like so there's my plants and I threw that in a bowl. And I'm like okay cool, I need protein. So I'm not um I'm not vegan or vegetarian but I do tend to eat mostly plant-based because it just feels better. It's also really cheap to eat eat that way. Um, but so I, so those are my plants and then my protein, there was some quinoa and there were some beans on there. Um, and then a little bit of process, there was some salad dressing and there was like, um, some crumbles of, uh, feta cheese, so plants, protein, um, processed. And then I usually put some sort of crunchy thing on there. Maybe that's like croutons or like crunched up tortilla chips to just different textures. Um, so all of this is in like a giant dish, right? So my plate it and then I have water with it. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And yeah. And so it's really simplified. And so I eat a salad every day, but honestly, the salad tastes completely different every time. Cause it, you might use black beans, you might use chickpeas, or you might use edamame, or if we have, I don't know, different salad dressing or different cheeses, like it, while it's a salad, it, there's so much variety within it. And then even that, like. As I'm building a breakfast or a snack or a dinner, like using the five P's, all it does is like give my mind some structure of what should be on my plate, but it can be completely different. Like every meal, um, not that I have super exotic meals. Like if I'm being honest, there's probably like 10 meals that I eat, but like, they're all different or, you know, use different spices or something with it And it. So there's a variety within the structure, but the structure helps me actually do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the structure and, and, uh, you know, as, uh, and having trained for, for 11 marathons, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of structure in my running too. And, and I think, you know, structure helps me, you know, but there's, there's a a certain bit of self-discipline that comes along with, with structure. I'm, I'm sure you'd agree with that. So, So how do people, okay. So you have a great system. People are like, I'm all on board, but it does require that bit of self-discipline. So, you know, what are you, how are you getting your, your clients to be the best version of themselves? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can
1: think of a couple of things. So one, um, when we have coaching calls, this is like a big thing we talk about and that is like motivation and their motivating factor. And I always explain to people and have like videos, like motivation is not just excitement. Like that, that fresh, clean start, like, oh great, you know, right January 1st or first of the month or a Monday. And you're like, great, yeah, you know, I'm so motivated. And you think that you're going to feel excited all the time. And the truth is you're not going to feel excited all the time. Um, But the big, like, you can boil motivation down to pain and pleasure thing, uh, pleasure that you want to move towards or pain that you want to move away from. And so I know for me, like I have a salad every day because I get to move away from the pain of having an upset stomach or the pain of feeling, you know, like indecision, like, or, you know, having to make too many choices. I don't want that frustration in my life. Um, I don't like feeling hungry later in the day. And I know that a salad keeps me full full. So like, that's the pain I'm getting away from. And also just like disappointment or frustration, I think, especially for people who maybe struggle with healthy eating, um, like acknowledging you might not always be excited to eat the meal, but you want to get away from the pain of feeling tired or gross or whatever, And then also, yeah, that like that disappointment or frustration with yourself and then the pleasure. Well, okay, cool. Like your stomach feels fine. You're energized. You don't have that 3 p.m. slump. You know, you feel, you feel full throughout or full and satisfied. So we talk about that. And I do have my clients write that down on paper because the truth is in the moment you're going to want to say F it and get the candy bar from the, the vending machine. You're going to want that, but then you have to remind yourself, oh, right, this is the thing I'm working working towards. You know, if I don't do this, I'm going to feel upset with myself. I'm sick of feeling upset with myself. I just made a post on Instagram today about this um, when it comes to self-discipline. I have been waking up at 4.30 a.m. to get my run in at 5.00. Wow. And the alarm goes Good off. For you. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but the alarm goes off and every morning I am mad. I don't want to go. I don't want to get out of bed. And then the parent in me reminds me like, if you don't go now, you're going to feel upset later with yourself. Like that's a given.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you're going to feel upset with. So go, even though you don't want to go, go. Um, the other thing too, is that Um, My clients aren't perfect. Like this is the other part of imperfect. Um, there are going to be times that the alarm goes off and you stay in bed and you're going to feel upset with yourself, or there's going to be a time that you said you were going to have the salad, you know, the giant salad or the healthy breakfast or whatever, and you do go get the donut and you're going to feel upset with yourself or whatever. Um, it doesn't have to be a, oh my gosh, you're an awful person, but it's like, what can you learn from this so that, you know, you do feel good. So it's not like slapping someone on the wrist and telling them like, you're a failure, you're an F up, you can't do anything right. It's like, Oh, right. This is, this is why I wake up early in the morning because the run never gets done at 7. PM. Or this is why I have, you know, the healthy lunch. Oh, because you know, I don't like feeling this, this sluggishness at 3. PM. So it really is like a lot of trial and error. And it's not just like, like, here's this cookie cutter plan, execute it perfectly. Um, I think a lot of people who have come to me have executed a 30-day plan perfectly. Um, This is more about like building habits around things. And when you're learning something new and you're building a new habit, you're gonna mess up. You're going to make mistakes, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, building building those habits is is so important. Like I, you know, I I am not a morning person. People think that I'm a morning person, and I'm not anywhere close to being a morning person. But I have been able to pretend to be one. Um, because of creating habits. Um, you know, when I I first started running, you know, the only time I felt like I could get my run in, like you, like you, was in the morning, you know, before my day. Cause if, you know, if I, I'm not gonna get out at lunchtime because I'm just not gonna tear myself away from whatever it is that I'm focused on at that time. And by the end of the day, I'm just shot, you know, yeah. and I'm, I'm, you know, I wanna have dinner, I wanna watch TV, I wanna go to bed. Um, so morning became it, but, but again, you know, that alarm goes off and it's not easy. The one thing that I did realize though, is that if you can have the discipline to, to you know, say to yourself, I'm gonna be mad at myself if I don't get up and I don't get out and I'm gonna feel so much better once I get out and you keep, you, know, you keep that mantra going for 30 days, 60 days, suddenly you've done it for two months and it's not even a thought anymore. You just sort of roll out of bed and you start yes. doing, and, and there would be times when I'd be like into my first mile already before I realized I was even awake, you know, like, you know, before I was conscious of that. So, you know, to everybody out there that's trying to start something, you know, I, I think that the, the, the self-discipline piece, the pain of that, of being so mm-hmm. self-disciplined does go away once mm-hmm. it becomes a real habit. Exactly. Um, and that's what, that's what we're striving for. You know, it's not going to be, you know, you, you're basically creating a lifestyle change. So you're, you're changing habits. Um, and when you do that, um, you're going to be in a much better place. And it's not going to be as, as painful to be as self-disciplined as, as you are in the beginning. You know, whether it, you're starting an exercise routine or um, trying to eat healthier, you know, or anything like that. So,
1: yeah, I think, um, I think what you said about like yeah, pushing through and you did, you talked about this on my podcast, but like maybe that first month or that second month is hard and it does suck, but it's like just pushing through that. And, and also I think that like collectively, like knowing like, okay, I'm not the only one that this is hard for. This is hard for everyone who's first starting out, but then it, like it does, it becomes less hard because it's actually become a habit now. Now it's actually been like programmed into your brain and into your body. And it's like automatic. I always share this example. Um, in 2020, before we knew the pandemic was happening. Um, so at the beginning of 2020, I knew that I really wanted to focus on systems for myself because I felt like I needed better systems in place when it came to my self-care, when it came to my money management, when it came to so many different things. A really small habit that I was really focusing on was washing my face every night. I used to, if I didn't wear makeup, I'd be like, you don't have to wash your face. Like, it's not dirty. And that's not true. Like, there's still dirt and oil and my, you know, fingers touching my face. Like, no, I should wash my face. And if I was wearing makeup, I would just use like a makeup wipe and not like actually use soap. And anyways, my skin used to be really, really bad. I used to have like, adult acne. All I needed, I was like, I just need to get into the habit of washing my face. And so from January till I think it was mid-May, I had to force myself to wash my face. And I had like a little, a little habit tracker that I kept in the bathroom. (laughs) And so it was like a cue when I went into the bathroom to brush my teeth, which was already a habit, like brushing my teeth was happening. And I would see the little tracker on the mirror and I'd be like, Oh, I have to wash my face and then I would wash my face and I would color in the little habit tracker. Um, but it took almost, it took over five months for this to become automatic, like over five months. And that's a really small habit, like washing my face. Right. It was like, takes three minutes. So when it comes to something, something bigger, you know, or that has, even more steps, it might take, it might take a while, but I think what you said, like, you still have to, like, you just have to deliberately force yourself to do it because it won't ever become a habit unless you have that discipline there.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, you know, I have to, I have to say one thing that, that I got from, from your, one of your podcasts or, uh, maybe more than one, um, and, and the whole system is, is, you know, like not being so restrictive. So, I told you, I eat the same thing for breakfast every morning. Well, the one thing that I do is I, I change that up in the winter. I move from just a regular bowl of Kashi cereal to oatmeal um, in the, in the winter. That's my, you know, just cause it's warm and I think, but I make the oatmeal, like the, you know, the real oatmeal, like I, I don't use those packets cause they just seem a little too processed for me, you know? Yes. So I make my own oatmeal and I love brown sugar on my oatmeal, right? But there was a time when I used to sit there with the brown sugar right on my breakfast table and I would just keep adding brown sugar to, you know, I would eat the brown sugar off the top and get to the next layer and add a little more brown sugar. And like, this is just nuts, right? So I, this year I'm like, you know, I got to, you know, like I had not, I had gotten to a point where I would not put, like, I just didn't buy brown sugar anymore because I was just, you know, I was binging on brown sugar, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I had even gotten to a point where I stopped buying oatmeal because I didn't, you know, I didn't enjoy the oatmeal without the brown sugar. So this year, after listening to your podcast, I said to myself, you know something, I'm going to try this again. So what I now do is I have this whole little routine as my, you know, my oatmeal's cooking. I go over, get out my little things, including my brown sugar. And I put, put the oatmeal in the bowl. I Measure out one tablespoon of brown sugar. I put that on the oatmeal and then I put the bag away in the closet and I don't, you know, and it works and it's working. And I'm being very disciplined about it because it's really not that difficult to not have a bag of brown sugar on the breakfast (laughs) table, you know. So, um, but it's things like that, uh, you know, I, I think that that can be very helpful, you know, just creating those little tiny habits. It's I, okay. I love that story, first of all. And I, and I'm laughing as you're
1: telling it because brown sugar is something that I could just go, you know how, when it gets like clumpy, I could go and like, just grab a. Yeah, I don't, but yeah. But like, like having that system for breakfast and I think about this, like when it comes to processed food, but not even just processed food, when it comes to like our phones or television or social media, all of these, like they're processed things that you know are yeah they're they're really strong and they can take over our life unless we have boundaries set up for them, right And so I even think like about like alcohol like I have a rule like I don't drink more than two drinks and not usually I drink zero drinks, but like I like I, and I and I, I never really had a problem with alcohol or anything, but it's just like like, that's how like, we need structure for those things, or we have to remove it from our lives. And so I kind of think about that, like, okay, you know, I'd like to have cookies in my life. Like it, it isn't something that I want to remove. I need to have structure around having cookies. I don't have cookies for breakfast cookies. I can have two or three at the end of the night, but that's, that's where it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm about to say I'm the same way with alcohol too. I, you know, there was a time I probably drank enough in my early 20s to last a lifetime, Uh, you know, but the same thing, like, you know, I rarely drink. um, And occasionally, uh, you know, when I go out with friends, I might have a glass of wine. And, you know, I make a conscious decision to have like one glass of wine, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and it's rare. The only time I'll usually ever have a second drink is like if I'm at somebody's home, and I'm not leaving, you know, (laughs) like, because I just it's, you know, like, there's just, I mean, there's so many other things to consider there, but um, but yeah, you know, and and I, I like what you say about you know everything in moderation. Um, that was my one of my mother's. Um, mantras um and something that was instilled on me as a kid and it applied to everything you know (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and i try to i try to bring that into my running too because sometimes i can get a little obsessive about my running so so let's talk about your running i know um you said you've been getting up really early and i know that you were training for a specific race that has been canceled what so how, oh you know, tell me how you're dealing with that disappointment. <laughs>
1: oh, okay. Well, we're going to have to backtrack a few years. Like we're going to let's backtrack to 2019. So, okay. 2019 is the last marathon that I ran. I did the Displains river trail marathon. It was the day before Chicago. So like in October, so mm-hmm. it was on a Saturday and the training for that marathon was the first time. I think that was my fourth marathon the training for that was the first time that I trained for a marathon and didn't hate running at the end of training because <laughs> usually I would get, I would, and I would just feel so disgusted and not want to run. That it was, gets, it does time. get
0: tough and you know, yeah. 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 So that was the first
1: time that I didn't hate it. And I think it was because I, I didn't, I don't know. I just, I think we were in a different place in our lives and it was like something that I was doing, but it wasn't, it didn't have this like big pressure to like mean something. I don't know, but training was fine for that. The race was really hard (laughs) after that marathon. I was like, cool, I'm going to keep running. And then I ended up joining a running group here in Chicago and I was running with them on Sundays. And I was like, wow, you know, we're running like 11 miles, 13 miles, maybe I'll sign up for a marathon. So I started like Googling and like, I found a marathon in Chicago for April of 2020. And so I put the money down and I paid for it. And then, um, you know, I think I had, I don't know if I did my 20 miler, but I think I did 18 miles. I got up to 18 And then I started having like really, really bad um, knee and hip pain. Hmm. And I had been going to physical therapy and it wasn't really doing anything. And then I went to a doctor and she was like, why don't you take a week off running? And during that week off from running, everything in the world (laughs) shut down. And so I was like, okay, like, let's see what happens. And then all the races started to to get canceled. So That So the marathon for 2020 got canceled and then I was just kind of like, you know, this knee and hip pain, it's not really going away. What if I just hold off from running a little bit and really work on fixing this and getting stronger? And so I saw so many different people during 2020 um, to get stronger. And by the end of 2020, I was in a place like physically and mentally, like, okay, cool. Let me start building back up again. And so I started really small with run, walk and a return to running plan. And, you know, just, I don't remember what it was like 30 seconds of running and then walking. It was very, very small and kept building up. And so then all of 2021, um, I think I, Oh yeah, the race <laughs> April, 2021 it canceled again, pushed back to next year. Um, and so all of 2021, I was just very casual about running and this is how I met you, Mary. I started going to, um, well, actually I started going to a run club in Austin, which is not far from where we live. And I started running with them on Thursday nights. And then I started going to the races on Saturday and I would run, run, walk the five K's with Kara. And then I started volunteering with Kara um, but was like just pretty running pretty casually. I did a 10 mile, uh, tough mutter event during the summer. And so I built up to 10 miles. I think I did 10 miles on my own and then de- did 10 miles on the obstacle course. And then was just kind of casual about running. And then at the end of 2021, I was like, all right, so my marathon is going to be in April of 2022, so I started training by myself again. And then I ended up joining a group. And so just meeting with them on Sundays and building up on Sundays. And I decided that, like you said, like <laughs> the runs were not, I was like, oh, I'm going to run after work. I'm going to run at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. No, it's like pitch dark out. It's so, <laughs> you know, it's dark out. It wasn't happening consistently. So I was like, you need to flip this and you have to get it done early in the morning. But my work day starts pretty early. So I was like oh, this means I have to get up really, really early to run. So I started going to, um, and again, I don't want to run outside by myself at 5.00 AM. So I started going to, um, a treadmill class. So it's similar to like, like berries or an orange theory, but less intense and less intimidating. It's a really great community, um, place. And so I will go there and classes are like 45 to 55 minutes and it's running on the treadmill, but it's also some strength and some core stuff and, um, stretching. And so it's like really good. Um, so I've been doing that for, I don't know, maybe a month or two. So during the week I run, um, and then on weekends I'll do my long run. And then, um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, got notes that got word that the April, so what it, I'm so confused on years. April 22, the marathon for April, 2022 got canceled or pushed back to April of 2023. And I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to be in Chicago when this is happening. Like who knows, but I figured this is something that I have gotten to. I think in my mind is that anything can be canceled during the pandemic. We've learned anything can be canceled. and if you're only running for a race, the race can be canceled. So if you're, if you're only running for the race and the race can be canceled, are you going to continue running if the race is canceled? So this is something that I had been thinking about for a long time. And I think that I've gotten into this really good groove with running and this really good system and this consistency and this discipline that the race was canceled. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going. Cause this feels good. Like this is, this feels good. Um, we'll see if I do <laughs> all of the marathon training and I go and do 20 miles by myself. I don't know if I will. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So it was like a little bit of disappointment, but I was like, well, you knew that that was a possibility. And I don't think my headspace space in 2019 or 2018, like, I don't know that, that I would have had that same mindset. But I think now, like we've been through so much crap and so many things have been canceled and I'm like, anything can be canceled. Like literally yeah, anything.
0: The, um, I mean, the pandemic has really forced us all to be a lot more flexible. Um, and to, and to really embrace the, the idea that nothing in life is certain, you know, that is, you know, we, we, you know, we put a date on the calendar and we were just, you know, I mean, you put somebody's wedding on the calendar and you think, well, that's it on that date, I'm going to the wedding. And, you know, as we all learned, weddings got canceled, everything got canceled, you know, and so it's really forced us to think about everything in, you know, in a different way. And I, um, I was happy to get out and do a a few in-person races this fall. Um, But I went like literally eighteen months without doing an in person race, um, yeah. which is something that like I haven't done since I started running. Um, I mean, even at times when I was injured, I never you know the I, I had some back injury, not an injury, but more back issues um, that I was in physical therapy for, but even then, You know, I think maybe I went 11 months without racing, you know, like um, so this was completely unusual. And it was it was I think we all just readjusted some, you know, some people did virtual races and were fine with doing that. Um, I did a couple of virtual challenges, which were fun where you just sort of add up your miles to, you know, and you log them in and it shows you where you're going on a map. And that was kind of fun. I did like route 66. I did the ring of Kerry in Ireland. That was fun. Um, and I also ran every street in my town. Um, I think I, I told you, I might've yeah. told you about that. Um, so, you know, you know, so we've, we've all adjusted, but I think, you know, the, the, the important thing is to have, you know, a healthy relationship with, with running and with food and you know everything that we're doing, um, so this has been great. I'm I'm so glad that uh, that you that you came on. Um, this has been a lot of fun, and I'm glad that you brought up how we met, which is through the the Kara Go Run. Because um, my uh, my coaching is really focusing now on uh, charity runners and working with charity teams. Um, so. I also, you know, I work for the Chicago Area Runners Association and manage um, their charity team and their charity partnerships. And of course, one of the, uh, the the things that we raise money for as the Chicago Area Runners Association is our Go Runs, which is how I met you. You were volunteering at our Go Run in Warren Park, and I know you you volunteered all of them. That was the only one <laughs> that I usually go to because it's a little more convenient for me. Um, but just quickly, how, you know, like, how do you get involved in that? How did you, you know, what, what would you recommend for other volunteers to get involved? Yeah, I, it was
1: so fun. And I think like, if you've never volunteered at a race before, like you really should, like it's, it is so fun to be on the other side of it. Um, when we lived in Atlanta, I volunteered at the peach tree. Oh yeah. It, AK? I don't remember who it was. And that one was, it's a lot of fun. I think to like, for like bigger races, when you can see elite athletes or you can see wheelchair racers, Oh man, you like, it is just such, I'm getting like tingles right now. It's such an emotional experience to see how fast these people are. Um, And like you're handing water and they're like zipping by and you're like, oh my gosh, I hope I didn't slow you down. But anyways, um, it is so fun to volunteer at um, a race. If you've never done it, I highly recommend it. And one of the things um, that I loved about the go go run races with Kara is that it was like, it's the complete opposite. It's not elite athlete. It's Maybe if you Um, people that are looking for a timed run for, but for the most part, it is regular people who are out um, on a Saturday that want to do a 5k. And I love, you know, like there are pe- people who bring their dogs and they run with them or like people like with strollers, you know, or li- little kids. There was this one family, um, mom and dad and their two twin boys, like they, you know, they were there every week running and it was just such a great way to see community and to like, you know, be a part of something and help like someone else have like a really good experience with, um, with running. And so it was really great. And it was, I mean, honestly, for me, it was something that I was doing for my mental health (laughs) during the summer. Like, you know, that, um, feeling like I'm a part of a team that's like doing something good for other people. Um, I think that part of the pandemic and being isolated and, you know, things being canceled, like a lot of that was lost. So this was like, it was like a good way to, be a part of something, but yeah, I, it's so weird. Cause I don't actually even know how I found it. Like I, I know that I found the run group, the, the running group, uh, closest, yeah, but I don't remember through, yeah. how I found that. Um, but those are the people that told me about the race. So it's
0: interesting word of mouth marketing and whatever. Yeah, Yeah. 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 But there's so many times that, you know, I, I, I know for myself and a lot of other volunteers that I've talked to, you know, you go to volunteer because you think that, you know, you, you should, you know, give back to the community and you have this, you know, uh, very altruistic you know, a view of going out to do something for somebody else, right? And, and it really comes back to you. It's something that just makes you feel really good. And I've, I've done a lot of charity races, you know, Um, and, you know, I always feel like, oh, I'm doing something really good and raising money for an organization, but it, it really, makes you feel good too, um, to not only, you know, successfully fundraise, but to get to know an organization and, and, you know, to understand what you're doing and, and that's just, it's, you know, so heartwarming. And, and of course the Cara go runs are um, free 5k. So um, and they happen pretty much every Saturday from sometime in February through the end of November. And um, it's a really, really great partnership between um, the Chicago area runners association with park district so um i think we're gearing up for another season not too like you know it's so weird we just got done and like you know you're thinking like oh well a month from now is like february so we'll hopefully the weather will cooperate and we'll we'll get uh started up i think last year we wound up canceling a few of the february dates because of snow yeah. um so so, um, so yeah, so you don't know what your, what your marathon is, um, but you're going to keep running any other, any other plans for 2020, 2022. Oh yes. 2022. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm stuck in a moment. Sorry. I gotcha.
1: <laughs> you know, um, it's, oh, I, I have such a hard time making plans now Right. Like you're just like, I don't know. Actually, I'm supposed to be going to Japan this summer. And my husband's like, is that still happening? I'm like, I don't know. Like, like you really don't know until you're like at the airport and boarding the flight. Like, right. Like, who even knows? But the other thing too is like our like our dog is so old and it's like I, again, like I can't make plans. Like, I don't know. Cause I know like when the race got canceled, people were like, Oh, what if you travel somewhere else and like run a marathon there? I'm like, I don't know if I can, like, I don't know. I don't know what is happening this year. So I, I think this is a strangely, like, this is a good place for me, that the flexibility, like in my mindset, because last year, I think that I had very high expectations or hopes for 2021. Um, and then it just like, didn't live up to it. And I felt really disappointed. And so I'm like, you know, what if I just kind of (laughs) like, just see what happens this year and go with the flow and just, I was, I'm just going to keep showing up and running. And I'm not, you know, if a race pops up that I can do or a vacation pops up, great. If, if, if it doesn't, oh, well,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good, good attitude. 2022 got that right. Uh, we'll be, we'll, we'll be a flow year. We'll just kind of go with the flow. So um, well, Jacqueline, it was really great having you on here. So um, where can people find you? Yeah. So a couple of different places.
1: Um, I have a podcast and it's called mm-hmm. actually you are a real runner and you can listen to, uh, the episode that I had with Mary. I share that one with people all the time. That's one of my favorites. Um, my Instagram and Facebook, they're both Jacqueline.rickyo.stover. And then the last thing is I have a website SystemsForSelfCare.com. Um, if you are someone who's struggling with moderation or you, you, when someone says, oh, I you know, just eat moderately, you're like, oh, I don't know how to eat moderately. Like, Like I just, you know, eat entire packages of donuts. If you want to work on moderation, I have like a three video series teaching you like how to put in some structure. So for that, it's systemsforselfcare.com slash moderation made easy. And that's completely free.
0: Awesome. I'll put all of that in the show notes. So, uh, my listeners can find you. Well, thank you so much. It's been really, really great having you. And I know this won't be the first time you'll be here, but, um, I'm glad that you were, you were the first. So thank you for, for launching my, my podcast career. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Congratulations. I'm excited to listen and to hear all the episodes you do. Thank you. Thanks. Happy 22.